This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got another exciting episode with Montana Gyms, a gym fantasy land that was under a cafe hidden for decades. Scotland's new largest dinosaurs, and so much more. Yes, sirree. There's radical rocks everywhere. And today we are going to talk about moon rocks, Mars rocks. Hey, is that turquoise? We're going to talk about obsidian, tourmaline, is that a sagittarius? and so much more, guys. I want to thank you for tuning in. I want to thank you for liking and subscribing and sharing our YouTube videos, our Oh, God, we're on so many social medias. We're on, um, I can't even remember now, MeWe, Facebook, uh, Parlor, Gitter, Locals, Rumble, and, of course, podcasts can be found on uh, just about any platform that you can find. So let's get right into it because I've got a rock ton of really great stories to tell you about. Rock on mineral specimens of all shapes and sizes abundant in Cochise County. Um, this is in Arizona. Of course, a wonderful place in the United States to for rock hounds. And uh, the article can be found at myheraldreview.com and uh, is brought to us by Lydia Longa. And you can find out about all these great areas because there's caves, there's mines. Be careful about caves. I wouldn't go into a cave. It's a good way to die. But uh, there's the Hungchukka Mountains, the Bisbee, the Douglas. There's other areas where you can find mineral specimens and rocks. Um, just a huge area. You know, this state is a rockhound state because it is very geologically um, active at one time and created a lot of rocks, gems, and minerals to be collected. And the uh, Huachuca Mineral Gym Club, not sure that I'm pronouncing that right, it's H-U-A-C-H-U-C-A. They meet at the Sierra Vista. They go collecting in the Cochise County. Um, they've got areas on private property, so this is why you want to hook up with these rock and mineral clubs, because sometimes it's not the collecting areas, it's special areas they get permission. There's a specimen shop that they stop at in Tombstone. Um, Pat Harrington is a co-owner of Rockhounds, a rock and mineral shop there. He knows that this area is very volcanic, and there's lots of minerals to get there. Along State Route 80, uh, through that area is the San Bernardino volcanic fields where you know you're going to find a lot of agate, um, you're going to find copper minerals, malachite, azurite, chrysocolla, iron pyrite, all these copper minerals are around there. 
Tombstone was a bustling silver mining tongue, uh, town, and Bisbee was big in copper. So you can imagine all the copper minerals, maybe even a little chunk of turquoise if you're lucky. Um, beautiful minerals such as wolfenite, malachite, chrysocolla, and azurite can be found in Cochise County. They have a website that is the Gemological Institute of America where it states azurite, a copper carbonite mineral, is commonly a secondary mineral. Its host is usually a volcanic rock. Collectors' azurite crystals mostly come from Chessy, France, Marinza Sea, and Bisbee, Arizona. So lots of nice stuff in Bisbee, Arizona. Wolfenite says a rock owner shop, Terry uh, Cloak, is Arizona State Mineral. So that uh, is not as easy to find as it used to be, but if you look around, you can find these type of rocks. Um, Bisbee has over 300 different minerals that can be found. The article goes on to talk about more of these wonderful areas. It also talks about the um, Bisbee Mining Historical Museum and a great place to look at gems, rocks, and minerals. And uh, these are wonderful specimens with displays of aragonite and copperite, a, uh, a ladder that was crystallized uh, by copper, or, or it looks like a ladder of copper, and uh, other beautiful minerals, calcites, which can also assume the colors of other minerals that are in the area. So you got blues and greens and stuff like that. Um, pretty awesome. You can check this out if you want to. And also they talk about the A to Z rock shop in Sierra Vista that belongs to another member of the group that also is very educated on these places to go mining. Next, our friends, the searchers in Anaheim, California, they have a wonderful um, newsletter that uh, if you join their club, you can get that. And they have speakers. For March, they have a speaker that is uh, Luis de la Santos, and he's going to be speaking on Argent uh, Argentina agates versus U.S. agates, formations, features, familiarity, color, uh, crater agates, and more. So this uh, individual here, Luis, uh, Luis, was born in Argentina, collected rocks for many, many years. Um, he is educated, uh, has a, a really very uh, big background in television, and he is a dedicated rock hound attending the Denver Gym and Mineral Show with uh, a bag full of petrified pine cones. Sold them all within five minutes. Now he's hooked. He is, uh, goes to Argentina regularly to dig and explore, and is there to share with you his knowledge on these wonderful agates um, from these two areas he's got uh, they've got some pictures of these petrified pine cones now also the searchers are going to have some field trips uh, march 12th and 13th chuckawalla springs this is out by desert center in blythe um, it's going to be hosted by robert verson they're going to collect agates which include plume moss fortification and banded Jaspers of many colors, Saginite also, geodes filled with uh, uh, all sorts of really cool things. 
Uh, Four-wheel drive is pretty much recommended there. So uh, if you don't have one, you might want to join this club and look these folks up, see if you can buddy up with somebody. But uh, really neat. All the directions are there. Um, they have them in April. The field trip there will be digging at the Chapintite at Siam Siding. Um, with, that's a half day at Cadiz Road and um, out in the desert there along National Trails Highway, Old Route 66, uh, out toward uh, past Amboys there on Cadiz Road. You're going to find some wonderful collecting out there. Really hot. Um, April's probably about the latest you want to go out there. It gets super, super hot there. I mean, 110, 120 degrees is not rare there in the summer. But uh, I know that you can find a lot of really neat um, minerals there. A little bit of digging. Um, you do need shovels and buckets. There's trilobites there. I've collected the trilobites there myself. Um, and then also there's other areas where I have seen uh, little pyrite square crystals, nice uh, epidotes, epidotes, epidotes uh, samples, and other minerals can be found there. Also some jaspers uh, are found around the ground, kind of common colors, but uh, something else to look at. A lot of really neat things out there. May trip will be May 14th and 15th at Lavik Siding. I did a in Caddy Mountains. I did a uh, two videos. I did one on Lavik. I did one on the Caddy Mountains. Wonderful jaspers, tricolored jaspers can be found there. Um, beautiful, beautiful trip. They said June's too hot. I guess that's when you want to go up in the mountains or out to the beach. And uh, they have a report from their field trip on February 12th and 13th in North Hector. Um, this area is wonderful for the golden jasper. If you've never seen that, you should look that up. Golden jasper. There's also multicolored jasper that is found there. Banded jasper and uh, other agates can be found there quite often if you just look through the streams, washes, and hillsides you're bound to find something. They have pictures here of some of the old ruins and some of the golden jasper looks like is pictured there. Now they also tell us in the same newsletter, this is why you wanna be at the newsletter, they have a show. Their show is April 30th through May 1st. And um, if you wanna find out about that, you can, you can call Margaret uh, on her phone um, or you can email her, o, or excuse me, H-O-G-A-R-T-H dot M at gmail.com. Margaret, find out about their show there if you want to be a part of that. Then uh, they have a list of upcoming events. The birthstone for March is listed here, beautiful aquamarine. And uh, you can join their club. It's very affordable. Membership for individuals 25, couples 35 great club to be a part of highly recommend you join that all types of gemstones and their meanings a complete list uh, at the odysseyonline.com this is written by kevin bing all types of gemstones and their meaning a complete list uh, moldavite here it talks about it being a green colored gemstone talks about a little bit of the history of it being there in the czech republic we've talked about it beautiful glass um, talks about its uh, energies and stuff like that. Uh, turquoise, opal, uh, laramar, moonstone, 
and uh, other information can be found there. If you want to look at that, theodysseyonline.com. Check that out. Now, uh, America here under Biden and Newsom in California announced $35 million investment in rare earth mining. Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks like it's probably going to uh, benefit a lot of big companies that have very little benefit for Americans. But this article is found at OleanTimesHerald.com. OleanTimesHerald.com and is written by Madison Herenison. And you can read all about this money that is supposed to be invested in 2024 to help find these minerals and produce these minerals in Mount, uh, a company primarily called Mountain Pass Minerals is going to be benefiting from this. Um, looks like they're going to get a good um, paycheck on that. Um, there's other companies also that are commenting on this, so I guess this money is going to get spread around to a few different companies. Um, so they can't lose. Can't lose. They're going to find it. Uh, or they're going to get paid whether they do or not. Next, Trumeline by the Ton. The Maine Museum celebrates a big find 50 years later. NationalJeweler.com Brecken Brandstorator Writes, us, writes to us about this discovery of historic gems from the 1970s. It's going to, de- it's going to be there on display and debut at the Maine Mineral and Gem Museum. They've got pictures of the three spectacular tourmalines that are given uh, to designers to create pieces that will appear in the Maine Mineral Gem Museum's Big Find, The Legend Continues exhibitions this fall. One of these tourmalines is a beautiful, almost a ruby, um, but it would be called a watermelon, but it's really more ruby than watermelon. The other one is a huge tourmaline that is half, looks like a giant emerald, but the top one-third of it is like a ruby, and the bottom two-thirds of it is an emerald. And then finally, the last one is a very fancy cut, kind of a diamond um, with uh, edges going through it to help it capture more light. And it is a very um, dark, well, not dark, but it's, it is darker green, but a very bright green. And not an emerald type green, but more of a, I don't know, like the best peridot that you've ever seen in your life. You know, somewhere between that and, uh, you know, maybe some uh, light colored indicolite. Something like that, I would say. But anyway, they talk about this mine. And um, in 1974 of October, four men unearthed a huge source of tourmaline crystals at the Dutton Mine in Plumbago Mountain in the Nuri, Maine, according to the museum. The discovery became known as the Big Find. In a result of this, more than a ton of gem tourmaline was produced between 1972 and 1974. And um, uh, some of the real whoppers here ended up at the Maine Mineral and Gym Museum and everything from green red to watermelon tourmaline. Beautiful, just like we described earlier. So it's all there if you want to see it. They have a video of, uh, of someone discovering some uh, more gemstones in Maine if you want to see that. Um, 
but these gemstones range from 9 carats to 45 carats. The designers who get to design with these gemstones have a budget of $5,000, which could be reimbursed, and um, they have till September the 1st to complete. So I guess they've got to try to make them look really great. Um, we'll see how that turns out. I'm sure that'll pop up in our um, reading. So if you want to find out more about this, the big reveal, uh, it's an event on October 8th in Maine where they will have a runway style show with clothing from Maine and also they will show these beautiful gemstones. This is a fundraising opportunity that they are taking advantage of. They have the Maine Mineral and Gem Museum Instagram account. If you want to follow that, you can. Next, new mysterious mineral discovered on the dark side of the moon. All right. Reminds me of Pink Floyd. The dark side of the moon. This finding is by the Chinese. They seem to be um, very busy in space lately. Um, Vishwam Senkaran is credited with writing this. You can find it at the independent.co.uk under the new mysterious mineral discovered on the dark side of the moon. These guabules, in other words, a sphere, they are promising resources to produce glass in Suto on the moon for future lunar bases, scientists say. So, um, Glass globules on the far side of the moon are unlike any mineral that they had pre previously discovered on the lunar surface, according to an article published in the journal Science Bulletin. And you can read more about this if you want, but they have some pictures there of this shiny globule. Now today we are going to talk about a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of... Um, Oops, let me close some of these. We're going to talk about a ton of obsidian. So first thing I want to talk about is Obsidian 101. Our friends at Rock and Gem, the rock, the letter N, and gem.com, they send these out to me in email all the time. Uh, great information about Obsidian 101 creation and legend and types. They have a beautiful picture of some um, mahogany, uh, which is brown, usually swirls. It looks like a wood with the black, darker color. It says, uh, obsidian is volcanic glass. It's formed when molten lava cools suddenly. Is it a mineral? Well, they talk about lava beginnings, go into how lava comes from the deep, dark parts of the earth, uh, comes up to the earth uh, hot and flowing, and how lava forms obsidian. Lava is a high in silica, or lava that is high in silica, uh, moves slowly and develops thicker solid flows. So you might be able to spot it if you watch the flows. The, the uh, molecules needed to form crystals are done in this. The mafic lava is more fluid flow when hot enough flows almost like a river. You see this when lava of Hawaii that flows rapidly over the land is often solidifying on the surface and continuing to flow underneath the new crust. Two basic types of lava can produce what we call obsidian, but true obsidian comes from felsic lava cooled rapidly. Mafic lava can form what is called basalt glass, which is dark, 
and forms as a lining of vessels or pockets, gas pockets, and around the edges of flows, air can cool the material more rapidly. Um, this is usually more small little pieces or kind of thin or little crystallizations happen um, when you have that type. They give different examples of different types of obsidian from these two different flows. The felsic lava can occur in huge layers. One example is the obsidian cliffs in Yellowstone National Park was exposed by road building and many feet of thick solid obsidian. Um, so pretty interesting. We know early obsidian was used by early humans to make razor sharp um, arrows, spears, cutting devices. The obsidian types Obsidian usually appears black or gray, but it is not always glass clear. Sometimes it's so dark you can't see through it. Lava tends to be fine grain, which contributes to its dark color, but inhibits crystal growth. Obsidian, uh, whether it is non-crystalline or not, can often develop tiny sub-microscopic spherules or mineral grains, and these tiny spherules of crystals, depending on size, create a variety of useful obsidian. So you've got snowflake obsidian, very popular, where you have the black with the white um, spots all over it. Sometimes it can look like flowers um, or snowflakes. This happens at a slower rate of lava cooling, allowing some crystallization of molecules of silica to draw together to form these white um, chrysobellite form of quartz within them that makes this snowflake. Uh, the snowflakes make great cabochons and, and rings and pennants and what have you, whatever you want to make with them. Mahogany obsidian is great for carving. People love to use it. It's also used for jewelry. It contains iron-like minerals of magnetite and hematite. The iron present can help develop a brown color, basically iron oxide akin to hematite. Um, usually this happens more toward the surface when it gets mixed as the lava flows. Um, one area is Mount Andreas in the state of Jalisco in West Mexico City. Some of the world's finest obsidian is found there along with this type. Rainbow obsidian is a very colorful obsidian, the most colorful. It's become very popular, um, having a beautiful color-zoned uh, uh, on it makes it very popular because of the banding of different colors for objects like turtles, butterflies, domed hearts. When polished, the colors are most intense and have a beautiful rainbow effect that tends to uh, kind of move when you turn the stone. The layer is dominated by one particular mineral. You will see one color. When there are several, you can have many different colors. So some of the minerals they say in here are pyroxene, um, Plagio Chase, Hornblende, Mica, and various feldspars will, will play a role in causing the colors that create the rainbow, resulting in the refraction of light as it enters the glass of the obsidian. Um, other minerals like Heldenbergite, coupled with gas bubbles, creates brownish silver or golden image in sheen obsidian. Now, golden uh, sheen or Silver sheen obsidian is quite beautiful um, and it flashes a silver uh, or a gold 
as you turn it from side to side and the light refracts through it. Apache tears are small rounded uh, pebbles that typically are created by when the obsidian gets trapped in the mineral perlite and becomes a globule. These are called Apache tears historically. They're found in the southwest Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Utah, um, and there are some open pit areas that actually do mine that that you can see in New Mexico west of Cercaro. And um, there's a mine there called the Kelly Mine that has that. Apache tears occur as a huge deposit of perlite within the reach of Highway 60 into Superior and the Magma Mine. Uh, collectors are able to go there and collect. I guess there's probably a fee. Um, and there's legends that come along with this. You can read the article and find out more about that. Now, being obsessed with obsidian as a mineral with an edge, uh, again, this is another article by our friends at Rock and Jim. Uh, it talks about the power of flaked obsidian. Flaked obsidian um, is a unique uh, look to it. And uh, there is a, a sword... It says, when Spanish uh, conquistador, uh, or con I don't know how to say that, but uh, one of the Spanish conquerors, uh, Hernando Cortez, confronted the Aztecs in 1519, which is now Mexico. Horses, steel swords, and firearms gave his soldiers a military advantage, but there was one Aztec obsidian weapon the Spaniards dreaded. It was the mach... It looks like machete but i don't think it is it's m-a-c no it's m-a-c-u-a-h-u-i-t-l and i'm not even going to try to pronounce that but it was a four to five long piece of wood um like a broadsword it had a two-handed grip with grooved edges set with pieces of flake stone in other words razor sharp obsidian and the warriors aztec warriors would sever off heads and legs of the Spaniards' horses, and probably them too, um, and they were very scared of this. They were made of, of uh, obsidian. Flaked obsidian is the sharpest edge of any natural mineral. Because of its razor sharpness, along with the abundance of workability, this is a very good mineral, and its strength and power cannot be underestimated. They have a section here, Understanding Mineraloids, if you want to find out more about that, um, how one example of this was the Apache Tears that we talked about, still in its perlite uh, matrix. Really interesting. Um, it looks almost like a Christmas ornament. Pretty cool. We talk about how obsidian forms. We kind of touched on that. Basically, obsidian is a silica. Um, they talk about when quartz or obsidian is struck by the edge, it creates a pointed object. So you would just chip this away and you could get a pointy sharp object. Those are some of the characteristics. They talk about altering obsidian. Of course, again, this is how it gets altered in nature and through man. They talk about more about the Aztec weapons, even back to the days of the Romans. But this was a sacred stone for the most part. When the word obsidian entered the English language in 1790, the stone was still confused with quartz. Um, but 130 years later, 
X-rays show that this obsidian uh, lacked a crystalline structure and was therefore neither quartz nor a mineral. So now you know, it's not a mineral. Uh, they go into Apache Tears, obsidian nodule, nodules, flint napping, um, flaking technique for making sharp objects, other types of uh, flint napping, and uh, clinical testing. Under the 10,000 power magnification of electronic microscopes, the cutting edges of surgical scalpels because of steel's crystalline structure. My wife just walked by me in a wonderful outfit that caught my attention, excuse me. Clinical tests show that the incisions made with obsidian produce less scar and granulation tissues, heal faster and inflame fewer cells and do uh, and then do incisions made by stainless steel scalpels. So maybe we should start using obsidian to uh, do surgeries. Sounds pretty cool. Um, Yellowstone obsidian, they talk about that. In Yellowstone National Park, um, there's some history here. They said that uh, this obsidian, along with other obsidian, was traded at sites from Ohio to Eastern Canada. I've heard of it being, you know, in South America as well. So this was traded throughout the then known world. There's a, a section on fashioning with obsidian. Very neat, very neat. All right, now we're gonna get into one more thing with obsidian, bench tips, getting the best pattern. Glass Buttes Mahogany Obsidian. This is some spectacular obsidian you got to look it up glass buttes mahogany obsidian i mean this is a wow obsidian totally different from the normal ones you've seen mahogany and memories and glass buttes um they call it the midnight lace material as well as the mahogany material but this has a white black and brown just in beautiful patterns beautiful patterns um, the author here is not cited that I can see at least not at the top it says by administration but uh, let's see if it's at the bottom here okay Rob Rush at the bottom of the article Rob Rush he says while working with these midnight lace pieces um, he used to go to Davis Creek for the rainbow material um, and work with the rainbow material making cabs, carvings, and polishing specimens. Um, and then he says, identifying pieces to cut has consumed some of my time taking test cuts to evaluate pieces. So patterns that he prefers are swirls of black and gray with red mahogany accent areas. A lot of the material, the red sometimes is orange mahogany, becomes the most prevalent color. Um, and then let's see what else tips he gives here. Um, he looks for the great pattern. He looks for the orientation. He holds it up in the sun, moves it around, and then gets to town. He says, I orient my piece to the saw, so I'm cutting parallel to the largest black side of the piece, the red areas on the side or the back. After cutting off the end piece, I make a next cut, one-eighth thick, if the pattern is quite light, you can cut the slab slightly thicker. The pattern changes quickly from one slab to the next. So as you're cutting it, you'll see it change. Um, so one piece 
may be completely different than the next. And there you go. He doesn't give much more details on this. I thought there'd be a little bit more details on it. I will give you my tip for cutting um, this. You don't want to use a super um, grit on it unless you're really, really doing some rough cutting. A 100 grit diamond wheel that's brand new can, can chip the edges out and stuff. So you'll want to use maybe an older diamond wheel that's a little smoothed out um, and not use like the 80 grits or anything like that. You want to use a, maybe a little higher grit after you get most of your shaping done. Now, that's the tip for the beginning. The other tip um, is you want to, when you're finishing it, you want to use um, the super, super fine wheels. I mean, if you have an 18,000 grit wheel, <laughs> you really do want to use those. If you try to do it with just a 600 grit and then go in and polish it, you're going to have all sorts of scratches over it and you're not going to be happy. So if you're going to cut obsidian, you have to have the super, super fine wheels or it's just not going to turn out good. All right? So those are some of the tips. Um, the largest Jurassic Petersaurus on record is unearthed in Scotland. Uh, Corin Wetzel tells us about this at smithsonianmag.com. They have a depiction of this crazy-looking bird that has teeth like a pterodactyl, um, but it does have a feather on its tail, according to artist's depiction. It does have uh, some sort of a tail, wings, and some sort of feet. Uh, they feel that this creature, this is the biggest uh, flying creature found in this area. Um, they say the fossil was not only the largest but the best preserved skeleton of a petasaurus found in Scotland and this species wingspan that they found was over eight feet long it's so well preserved and so significant it's really special and I can tell you it is special because it came up in every single search and every single um, fossil place and I track a lot of them literally hundreds uh, popped up this article for the most part. So this was a big find. It was a nice find, very special. Um, and you would want to uh, check this out if you are a fossil lover. They say it comes from the Jurassic period, um, the Mes Mesozoic period, somewhere in there. And um, they talk about it uh, being a smaller dinosaur, but uh, this is a spectacular specimen for sure. If you want to find out more about that, you can go to smithsonianmag.com and look up largest Jurassic petasaur on record unearthed in Scotland. Good for our friends out there. Jim Mine Town Tourism. Fantasy land lays abandoned under this cafe for decades. Uh, abc.net.au our friends in Australia um, have had this place buried for decades and um, this is accredited by uh, Samile, Samile Mitchell and they've got a picture of a wall here with all these gemstones that are in it and this cafe was open in western Australia it was a tourist town in Calbera if I'm saying it right, and they really knew nothing about the treasures beneath it. When the owner bought it uh, from the previous uh, 
owner. They heard the stories, but they just ran their cafe, and uh, they just left this past uh, um, attraction underground, unearthed, and left alone. But finally, a new buyer bought the building, had known about the history, and wanted to open up this virtual Aladdin's Cave of Treasures. There's pictures of it here. Fantasyland in 1976, the uh, Calbera locals, Gwyn and Cliff Ross, decided to try their hand at tourism and opened this, uh, this house of treasures, basically. They had an avid uh, doll collection, and they also had over 2,000 gemstones embedded in the walls this gem mine, which was embedded with some 2,000 semi-precious stones into the walls of the underground cellar, showcased the beauties. They have pictures of it there. Visitors would descend down the staircase into the mine and wander at the gems such as tiger eye, ameth, mookite, as well as coal, and a whole lot more sparkling from the walls. They had a uh, makeshift pretend railway track, car, uh, historic mining uh, memorabilia, and uh, they had their dolls there too as well, oddities like bottles and fossils. It became known as Fantasyland. People actually traveled from all over to go to this interesting area. They had 44-gallon drums of stones, different gemstones that people could buy, and uh, things that they could do, and it has been reopened again uh, today. The dust has been swept up, um, the doors are open, and it has new life. Miss Burb couldn't wait to reopen the gym mine, cleaned it up, got it ready to go, and now you can go see it yourself um, if you were there in that area. Calbura area of Australia. hope I'm saying it right. It's spelled K-L, K-A-L rather, K-A-L-B-A-R-R-I. So check that out if you're ever in that area. Australia is so on my bucket list. I want to see the opal mines. Montana State Gemstones. We talk about this a lot. I'm probably going to try to sum this up pretty quickly. You may want to find out more about this. Go to dailycost.com. That's dailykos.com. Montana State Gemstones. You are going to see a pretty good lengthy article. Or at least there's some nice pictures with a map showing you some different areas, showing you some beautiful um, moss agate, some beautiful um, dry head agate, very famous for this area, faceted gemstones that you can look at that are at a museum there, spondamine, fluorite, um, other fluorites. They have a gemstone from all over. If This link has uh, many specimens here that you can look at if you want to read more about that. Go check it out. Um, lastly, I think this is last. So I might have more. Let's see. It seemed like there was something on Mars. Oh, okay, this is Mars. We talked about the globules on the moon. Now Mars. They found Curiosity rover captured a photo of a delicate metallic flower on Mars. Now other articles call it coral. I would say it does look like a clump of coral. Harold, uh, Harold, of fashion.com. You can read that. Uh, the article's a couple days old. They have a picture of it here. 
Very interesting. Also looked like some concretions next to it. This was tweeted out by Abigail Freeman, um, and the pictures are here. It's a little bit smaller than a penny. Um, could fit on a penny, a U.S. penny. But the Curiosity took a picture of something very attractive this week on the surface of Mar Mars. Looks like an organic thing, but it's actually metallic and formed from minerals they believe that precipitated from Water could be salts, uh, could be minerals and crystals. So uh, three-dimensional crystals, clusters, likely composed of mixtures of minerals. Pretty neat. You can find out all about that. Um, they said that um, features like this have been made of salts and called are called sulfites. And they have more information on that if you want to find out about it. Guys, that is about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, like, subscribe, share. Remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.